Hey, today we're starting a brand new series entitled The Big Questions About Life. And this is a series, listen, you're not going to want to miss. We're going to be tackling questions like, why does God allow pain and suffering in the world? Is there, is Christianity too narrow? We're going to be looking at questions like this. Is the Bible reliable? Listen, you're not going to want to miss this series. But today we're going to tackle this question. Does life have purpose? In fact, I want to personalize it. Does my life, does your life have purpose? You know, that question at its core is really a question of one's worldview. The great Russian author Leo Tolstoy grappled with this very question. And he asked it of himself, what is the purpose of my life? And he said these words. He said that question, and I quote, which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions lying in the soul, I believe, of every person. A question without an answer to which one cannot live, as I had found by experience. And then he asks himself these questions. What will come of what I'm doing today or shall do tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? And then he cries out with this question. Is there any meaning to my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? You see, the famed author had it all. Wealth, success, popularity, family. By anyone's standards, you would have thought he would have experienced immense sense of joy and peace and purpose. But he did not. One thing haunted everything he did, death. Is there any meaning to my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? You see, if your worldview is that this life is all that there is, here today and gone tomorrow, listen, it's going to be real difficult for you to find lasting meaning and purpose in life. You know, the wisest, the wealthiest, the most powerful person who has ever lived, King Solomon, tackled this very question in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And in that book, you will learn how he pursued meaning and purpose in all sorts of ways, through vast possessions, through vast wealth, through more and more intellectual knowledge, through great accomplishments, through endless entertainment. But in the end, through it all, He said it was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. And he longed for so much more out of life. And I believe so many people today feel that same way. And they're living lives, as Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, they're living lives of quiet desperation, a longing for more out of life. You know, I was shocked by a statistic that I recently read that In 2018, at the height of our economic expansion in this country, over one and a half million people attempted suicide. So many people are longing for more out of life. But you know, King Solomon concluded that book of Ecclesiastes. It's a book of wisdom, all about the meaning and purpose of life. He concluded that book by pointing to God for purpose. He's like, man, you've heard all that I have done and how I have tried to pursue meaning and purpose in all these different ways, and it left me empty. And then he said these words, look at it with me, coming from the wisest, the most powerful, the wealthiest man who's ever lived. He said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all 
humankind. And what King Solomon is saying there is he's saying life without God is in fact meaningless, but God gives meaning to everything. And he's given meaning to your life and to mine as only he, creator, can do. You know, when you think about it, everything in this world that is created is created for a purpose. I mean, think of all the possessions you own. From a chair to a computer, from a dishwasher to a vehicle, every item we own has a purpose and serves a purpose as intended by the creator or the inventor of the item. We get that, but it's not just our possessions. Every organization that exists, whether it's a for-profit or a non-for-profit, exists for a purpose a hospital to serve its patients and help them to health, a government to serve and protect its constituent schools to serve and educate their students, businesses of all sorts at their core exist to serve their clients and their customers with excellence and to deliver value to them. Every created thing was created for a And if you want to elevate the morale of employees within those organizations, you have to show them how their work ties into the mission and purpose of the organization. Because every one of us thrives when we know the why. Every one of us thrives when we see how our individual contributions fits into the big picture. No one argues against the importance of purpose. But when it comes to our own individual lives, what is the purpose of my life, that's when things can get a bit complicated. And the reason is because we are in no position to answer it ourselves. You see, it is all about worldview because if you believe there is no creator God, you're gonna be left on your own to figure it out and you will go to great lengths to try to do it. But in the end, it's gonna leave you empty like King Solomon like Leo Tolstoy, and you're going to want more out of life. Why? Because you're in no position to answer that question for yourself, and neither am I. Because purpose, by definition, is the reason why something exists. And the creator is the only one that is in position to answer that question for you and for me. The great Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis said this, all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, empires, slavery, is the long, terrible story of humanity trying to find something other than God which will make them happy. The reason why it could never succeed is this, God made us. He invented us as a person invents an engine, A car is made to run on petrol and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. There is no other. You see, friends, God has given you a purpose. He's given me a purpose as only he, creator, can do. So the question is, what is God's purpose for our lives? You know, there's a lot of Bible verses that speak specifically to God's purpose for our lives. 
But I think it's fair to say when you bring them all together, there's two overarching purposes that God gives you and me. Number one, to know him. And number two, to make his name known. To know him. A mentor friend of mine some years ago said to me, the reason why so many people do not know God is because they have the wrong picture of God. But as soon as you show them all of God's wonderful attributes, they're going to want to know him. And you know, over the years, I have found that to be so true. So many people want to know God. They just have the wrong picture of God. But as soon, as soon as you show them God's unconditional love for them, as soon as you show them all of his wonderful attributes, I mean, my goodness, if you were just to stack the attributes of God, all loving, kind, patient, forgiving, just, if you were just to stack up all the attributes of God and go up to somebody and say, hey, you want to know this person? They would be like, yes, 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 of course they would. You see, friends, God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. In fact, in fact, he came, he wants it so much that he came to this world in the person of Jesus Christ to rescue you and to rescue me from our sins, from our fallen nature. And what that means is this, and I'll speak for myself. What it means is this, is I know there is no way that I could ever work or earn or live up to God's perfect standards. He's all good. He's all loving. He is perfect. And I am not. What does it mean? It means I need help. I need a savior. And he came to save me from my sinful ways. And he came to do the same for you. And he came to reconcile us to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Question, do you know him? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because his purpose for your life and for mine is that we would know him in and through the cross of Jesus. And once we come to faith and know him, his purpose, his desire is that we would just grow deeper and deeper in our faith with him, in our relationship with him. We would draw near to him. We would pray and communicate with him. We would meditate on his word. We would obey him. In fact, what he desires is that we would value him above everything. Why? because of all that he has done for us. The apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.8. I consider everything a loss, a loss because of, or when compared to the surpassing worth of, get this word, knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. His purpose for you, his purpose for me is that we would know him. Now, the reason that is so important is because apart from him, we can't live out the second part of our purpose as he has given it to us. And that's to make his name known. This is all about giving glory and honor to God in and through our lives. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Ephesians 2.10. In fact, about three years ago, I preached a whole sermon just on this passage. And why I love it so much is because it's so concise. And you know what it is? It's a purpose statement for Christians. Look at it with me. For we are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now notice that purpose statement starts with our identity. We are, as Christians, God's workmanship. That word workmanship in Greek is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. And what it means is that we are his literal poetic masterpieces. We are his literal works of art. Wow. I mean, our God is such an encouraging God and he inspires us by the identity that he gives us. But it's not only in this verse. We see it throughout scriptures where he refers to us as not only his workmanship, but as his children, his ambassadors, his royal priests, temples of the Holy Spirit. Our God is such an encouraging God and he encourages us by the identity that he gives us. Now listen, that identity has nothing to do with what you or I have done. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for you and what he did for me. And it is all about who we are in him. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. His righteousness imputed, given to you and to me. Never, never, never forget your identity as a Christian. It's so important when we talk about our purpose. You see, God encourages us with the identity that he gives us because he wants you and he wants me living up to it. He wants us living out the second part of Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Why purpose? Why? To do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do them because it is in doing them that we bless other people and then we reflect glory back to God as believers, as ambassadors, as his works of art. Matthew in five, Matthew 5.16 said it this way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father in heaven. Oh, this is so important. As Christians, we are called to be a ray of hope and a ray of light in this world. We are called to do good in this world. We are called to reflect the very attributes and character of God. We are called to be transformed more and more into the very image of Christ. Why? Because that's how we are difference makers in this world. I love how Paul in Romans 12 put it. In fact, he uses that kind of language. You're to be different than the world, Christian. He said, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed, be changed by the renewing of the mind, and then you will know God's perfect and pleasing will for your life. What's the patterns of this world? The patterns of this world is that everything I do is in service of me, myself, and mine. And God says, no, Christian. Everything we do is in service of him. You see, there's a cost to living a life of purpose. I mean, you've heard the statement, does it serve its purpose? 
You know, that statement implies cost. It's in the word serve. And if you want to live a life of purpose, you've got to be willing to serve the purpose for which you have been created. I'm going to say that again. If you want to live a life of purpose, you've got to be willing to serve the purpose for which you have been created. Meaning, you've got to be willing to be a means to an end that is bigger than you. <laughs> Now, when we hear that, we're like, I don't think so. I don't want to be a means to an end. I want to be the end of everything I do. It's all about me. But God says, no, I'm at the end. And the means is all about the good that we do, empowered by the Holy Spirit, motivated out of a heart of love for all that he did for us. The means is the good that we do, blessing others in the name of God. He's the end. See, if you want to live a meaningful life, you've got to be willing to be a means to an end that is bigger than you. So that's God's purpose for your life and for my life, to know him and to make his name known. Now, I want to end talking a little bit about our uniqueness in living out his purpose for our lives. You know, the Bible is so clear. We're wonderfully and we're uniquely made by our creator God. So, hey, how does our uniqueness play out when we're talking about making his name known, living out his purpose for our lives? Boy, a number of years ago, I can't believe it's almost 20 years ago now that this book, Purpose Driven Life, came out by pastor and author Rick Warren. I'm sure many of you, if not most of you, have heard of the book. It was an all-time bestseller. It still sells many, many copies every year. And in that book, in that book, Pastor Warren talks about this. You're shaped to serve God. And it's all about leaning into your uniqueness and living out your purpose, his purpose for your life. And shape is an acrostic. It stands for this. S is spiritual gifts. H is your heart. Um, A is abilities. P is your personality. And E is experiences. And I want to touch this very, very quickly, very quickly. In fact, I'm going to take two together. Spiritual gifts and abilities. And the reason I want to take them together is because they really emphasize what you are good at your strengths, what comes natural to you. Now, the difference between the two is spiritual gifts are given to us, the Bible tells us, when we become Christians. Every one of us as a Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Many of us have more. Abilities is what you're born with, but both come from God and both focus on what you're good at. And one of the ways, just one of the ways you will know what your gifts and strengths and abilities are is that people in your life will genuinely affirm them in you. And they'll say things like, man, you are so good at that. My goodness, you make that look effortless. Oh man, you, have, you, have you ever thought of doing that full time? And what are they doing? They are encouraging you to operate out of your area of gifts and strengths. Why? Because it is where you bless people. You bless people when you're good at something and then you reflect them 
to the giver of the gift, to the giver of the abilities. Recently, I was listening to a talk from John Maxwell. He's a leadership guru. He's authored numerous books, sold millions of copies. And he said, oftentimes, after he would be done speaking to large, large groups of people, he would oftentimes get a standing ovation. And he would just stand and walk off stage and wave and smile. But he said this, and he always does this. He always says, John, you're not as good as the gift that God has given you. Honor him with the gift. And John Maxwell does that honoring often. And that's what this is about. You uniquely have been gifted by God to be a blessing to someone. Lean into your gifts. Lean into your abilities because that's a way that you uniquely can make the name of Christ known. It's part of your purpose. H, heart. You know, heart's all about passion. You know, what stirs you up? What excites you? What keeps you up at night? What wrongs do you, do you want to right and go do something about it? You know, I think oftentimes as Christians, we can be a little bit apprehensive when it comes to our heart or passion. Because the Bible says, beware of your heart, it can deceive you. <laughs> and boy, isn't that true when you're far from God because we're fallen, sinful people. But hear me, when you're close to God, when you know him, when you're drawing near to him, when you value him above all else, do not run from your passions because God has given you passion, you, you specifically, passions that he wants you to act on. A few years ago, I was speaking to a young man in his mid-20s, a wonderful Christian young man. And he was asking some career advice. And he had an opportunity to go to Manhattan to be a stockbroker. It's something he always wanted to do. He was giddy. He was excited. He studied for it. And he was just really excited about it. But he was torn. Because he didn't know if that was the right place to go as a Christian. And we got talking through that a bit. And you know, I just stopped and looked at him and I said, you know, we need Christians on Wall Street. Go be a stockbroker. Maintain your integrity, but go be a stockbroker on Wall Street. And I recently heard from him. And it's, it's awesome what he's doing. I mean, he is leading, and he has since he's been there, small groups, Bible studies with some of his colleagues and some of his neighbors right there in Manhattan. You know what he's doing? He's making the name of God known right there in an area that he otherwise would not be in, but his passion took him there. What are you passionate about? Go do something about it. P is all about personality. Real quick, I'm just going to touch upon this very quickly. You know, I think sometimes we try to be somebody we're not. And I'm here to tell you, stop doing that. God has given you the personality that you have. And you, in your unique personality, can relate to people better as an example than I can. And he wants you, using your unique personalities, to bring the gospel of hope to people that maybe otherwise would not listen to it, but they listen to you. Because you have a way of relating and engaging and connecting with them. See, listen. All of us, all of us as a body of believers, all of us ought to be living out his purpose and your personality is needed in living out his purpose for your life and making his name known. Finally, 
E, experience. Huxley once said, experience is not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. Now, I don't know if it's, you know, we think our stories are not that important. I don't know if it's, we, we just don't want to be vulnerable with our stories and experiences. But listen, your story matters and your experience matters. I know, I know so many people that have gone through trials and pains and difficult times in their lives and God brought them through it. And now they're on the other side and yet they're holding back their experiences. And I'm here to say, please, I'm here to encourage you, do not hold back your experiences. Because there is somebody today going through what you went through yesterday and they, they, they would so benefit from hearing your story of how God brought you out of the difficult times. See, we're all needed as a body of believers in living out his purpose for our lives. Shape is all about your gifts, your abilities, your personality, your passion, and your experiences. They're all needed in making his name known. Pastor and author Rick, uh, yeah, Rick Warren said these words, author of that book, and I quote, the best use of your life is to serve God out of your shape. Lean into your uniqueness in living out his purpose for your life. So let me close with this. You know, I think so often when we speak of purpose, we often jump to the doing, you know? What am I going to do? I want to do something big. I want to do something significant. I want to do something important, and that's wonderful. But you know, God is more interested not in what we do, but why we do what we do in who we are becoming. The first is all about motive. It's our heart. The second is all about our character, and he's way more interested in our daily faithfulness to him and his call and purpose on our lives than he is with all the individual particularities of what we do and even of what we do for a career. In fact, that young man that I spoke about earlier who went to Wall Street to be a stockbroker, I, I talked to him about this particular verse in Colossians 3.17. Paul said it this way, Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether a pastor, stockbroker, surgeon, stay-at-home mom or dad, carpenter or mechanic, whatever you do, short of sin, obviously you can't glorify God in that, whatever you do in word and in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, even the small stuff. You know, back in July, the first week of July, this July, I received a text from one of my tenants, so a wonderful, wonderful woman. And it read, Pat, do you know when the landscaper is coming? Which means the landscaping looks horrible. 
That was on July 8th. I was a bit surprised because on July 4th, it was a holiday, so I remember this. On July 4th, the, the landscaper, who was new, we, we just contracted with him, the landscaper reached out and asked if it would be okay for him to landscape some of the properties, and this one was part of that route. And so obviously I, must have, I assumed he must not have gotten there. So I, I texted him and I said, hey, I'm not sure if you were able to get there, but looks like the property needs some attention. You think you can, you can get there as soon as you can? Within a second, I got a call and it was from him. And let me just say, he was not too happy. I mean, he was yelling at me, literally. I have never been screamed at before like this. I mean, this man was livid. I'm going to call him Steve. It's not his name. But he was screaming at me. How dare you say that? I was there. And on he went. My first instinct was to scream back and curse him out and fire him. But I just didn't say a word. He thought I hung up. He stopped saying anything. And that's when I said, Steve, don't take it personal. But my number one responsibility is to my tenant. And man, before I could even finish it, he started screaming. How dare you say that? She's lying. I'm not going twice a week. And, and then I just interrupted him. And what I said next, listen to me, is not coming from me. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. Because when I said these words, I literally said to myself, I can't believe you're saying this. And this is what I said to him. I said, Steve, forget about the grass. Just forget about it. And then I said these words. Do you know there's a God who loves you and has a plan for your life? Do you know him? And you could have heard a pin drop, dead silent. And he said, well, I haven't been around church in a while. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really been around God. And I said, you know, Steve, you really ought to get to know him. And within seconds, he pivoted the whole entire conversation. And he began to tell me how he just got off the phone with his 18-year-old daughter who's making a lot of bad choices. And he's, she's stressing him out. She's stressing his wife, her mother, out big time. And he shared a little bit about that. And then he told me about how his wife had cancer and they believe it may be coming back. And so she's having a lot of health issues. I asked him, Steve, what, what's their name? And he told me their names. And then I asked, is it okay if we pray for them? He said, now? I said, yeah. And we pray. The end of our prayer, that man was crying, weeping on the other line. And he said, <laughs> He said, my workers are looking at me like I am crazy. And then he said, what just happened is, is incredible. It's never happened to me ever. Here I am yelling at you. And then we end praying together. I said, Steve, that's God. And we, and we just talked a little bit more about faith. And since then, we've talked some more about faith. Before we hung up, he said, Pat, I'll take care of that property. You got my word. And let me tell you, he has been fantastic. We hung up. I looked at my phone. 15 minutes and 23 seconds. That's it. And I believe God used that time 
sow a seed of hope to a man who is desperately in need of hope. And can I tell you something? At the end of that little brief conversation, I was elated. I was satisfied. I was excited. I was happy. Man, I was, I was calling my wife and telling her about what just happened. I felt filled with joy. I felt meaningful. You know why? Because I was smack in the middle of God's purpose for my life. Whatever you do, even the small stuff, do it all for the glory of God. So to the question, does life have purpose? Yes, yes, yes. To know him and to make his name known. See, the question is, are you willing to serve the purpose for which God has created you? You are. Listen, you're going to live a life full of meaning, significance, purpose. Father God, we just thank you for your word, for your love, for your hope. And Father, my prayer is for all that are hearing my voice, my prayer is that they would get so clear why they're here and what an awesome calling and purpose you have given them and how you have empowered them to live it out. My prayer, Father, is that every single one of us draw near to you and are moved and changed by your love to touch a world that is in desperate need of your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.